On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Now, in the history of Irish publications, few are as important, albeit perhaps as little known, as The Bell, a magazine which launched careers, annoyed plenty of people. Um, when its founding editor stepped aside, he joked that he was bored of amusing the bourgeoisie, little islanders, chauvinists, puritans and Celtophiles, among others. I don't know what others there are after those five characters. Um, now, uh, though, a new publication, The Writer's Touch, has brought together The Bell and the current leading literary magazine, The Stinging Fly, previously, of course, edited by Sally Rooney, which is a much-loved magazine of its own time. And it's fulfilled a lot of the same role in some ways. Um, Donald Fallon is here to tell us all about it. Donald, uh, good to see you as ever. Um, yeah. We, we don't think of the magazine as holding the same place in society as books do, but, but it is true that in Ireland's case, some magazines have been very defining. Yeah, and we were talking about this just before we came on air. The, the New York Times seems to be having a bit of a love affair with Ireland mm. uh, at the moment. Limerick Hurling has been featured, uh, mm. one of the rubber bandits, and uh, last week they ran a piece on the stinging fly, and we'll get into that at the end. It's a very, very important magazine yeah. and journal. But yeah, look, we think about newspapers as defining things, you know, in the the story of any society. They give us the headlines that become kind of iconic. But magazines and journals have their place too. So mm. look, I mean, in your line of work, you couldn't write any political history of Ireland that didn't touch on McGill, mm-hmm. Vincent Brown's yeah. kind of landmark magazine that broke so many stories. You couldn't write any history of youth culture or musical history of Ireland without engaging with Hot Press. Uh, amazingly, Hot Press is under the same editorial stewardship yeah. today as when it launched in 1977. For- 46 years with Niall right. Stokes. So, well done, Niall Stokes. Yeah. It's an extraordinary run, isn't it? But, I mean, the bell that we're talking about today is incredibly important. And we don't think about this time, the 1940s, uh, as a particularly inspiring time at all, especially not in literature in Ireland. But it was a time when a lot of things were happening. And I think the revolutionary generation were moving into new terrains. The ones who'd been on the losing side, that is. You know, yeah. Kevin O'Higgins had that line, we were the most conservative people who ever had a successful revolution. Mm. And if you're in the other camp, I suppose you're asking a good question about the 30s and 40s, which is, where do we go from now, uh, from here? And a gathering of those kind of minds brings together one of the most important magazines of 20th century uh, Irish literary history. So no one has the the right to look back on the bell and honour mm. the bell uh, in the same way as The Stinging Fly. And this is a really interesting book where you have writers from The Stinging Fly today responding to pieces that were originally in the bell. Uh, um, you've already touched on it there a little bit, but it is one th- uh, worth reflecting on uh, what the people behind the bell mostly had in common. And that was the fact that they had been literally they'd been through the wars. Yeah, some of them were very lucky to be alive. Sean O'Fuelon, uh, Morris Walsh, Roisin Walsh, Eamon Martin, Padder O'Donnell and Frank O'Connor. And of them, Morris Walsh is kind of odd one out. He's the only one sitting at the editorial board table who hadn't been in the in the Republican movement. Padder O'Donnell, not only was he in the forecourts in, during the Civil War, he shared a prison cell with Liam Mellos, who was shot oh, wow. by a firing squad uh, in December 1922. And I'm always amazed O'Donnell somehow got away with his life in the Civil War. He was a very high-profile figure. But he was obsessed with the idea, it was in O'Donnell's head for a long time, of having a kind of, what he called a really high-class monthly. Uh, and a publication that would have literature, opinion, poetry, everything else he could imagine. And apparently he walked up to Sean O'Fuelon in the street one day and said, you're the man to do this, you're the guy to edit this. So they're really interesting people intellectually. I mean, Roisin Walsh, we mentioned there, she's the, the first city librarian for Dublin. She's obsessed with kind of increasing access to knowledge, decreasing censorship, which yeah. is equally important. Wow. Frank O'Connor was lucky to be alive. I mean, he went on to become one of our most celebrated writers. He'd been behind bars during the Civil War as well. So these people had walked the walk. You know, they, they'd done their time uh, on the barricades. And now they wanted to, look, they, they, they may not have been happy that the new state existed, but it did exist. Mm. And it was time to kind of shape culture uh, in that state. Yeah, I'm kind of tickled by the idea of a revolutionary being obsessed with the idea of a high class monthly like magazine that you just you think that you maybe you'd have other priorities. But I, I get that people have, have multiple dueling priorities, maybe. Um, the timing of the launch of the bell uh, wasn't great because it wasn't exactly 
a time where free speech was being so widely observed. Yeah, 1940s not a great time for 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 free, for free speech. <laughs> anyway, there's wartime censorship in Ireland. You know, so even the newspapers are kind of limited in 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 what they can uh, report. But I love how they call it the bell because the bell is all about looking forward. You know, what does a bell do? It, mm. it heralds something new. Uh, you know, it, it announces something. So, Sean O'Fuelon in the first editorial, he talks about how, you know, we thought about the Sword of Light or the yeah. Shan Van Vucht, but these belong <laughs> to a time when we growled in defeat and dreamed of the future. Yeah. The future has arrived with its arrival and with its arrival, kill them. So, you know, he felt this was a new name. It was a fresh name. It was about the future, not the past. And whoever you are, he said, uh, the bell is yours. So this is a magazine that has amazing contributors. I mean, we get an article by... D eight three two two two. That's the author's D- name. D eight three two two two. Protecting anonymity. It's a, a prisoner, and the piece is entitled oh. "I Did Penal Servitude." So this kind of thing was unheard of. The idea that you would allow someone to write an article in a magazine about their experience of being in in Mountjoy Prison totally unheard of. Hmm. Um, the Bell wanted to capture the kind of voices that weren't normally in print, and uh, for a readership which was mostly based in the south, um, that very importantly included some voices from north of the new border. Yeah, they really go chasing young kind of Ulster writers, including uh, Protestants and both. O'Donnell and, and, and O'Fuelon are obsessed with kind of yeah capturing Ireland in its in its totality, you know. Mm. Uh, so you have a whole host of authors as well whose work was falling on the wrong side of the censorship board, which, as we've looked at before in this slot, wasn't particularly hard. I mean, to have a book censored uh, in Ireland, and you know, the Bell is really giving a, a space to those kind of writers. So he'd been banned by the board, uh, Sean O'Fuelon. He was really furious. Uh, about that he had a lovely line in the bell he said in 20 years time the doll will be scratching its head to know how it can rescind the ban which now covers almost every known Irish writer the censor like the law is always an ass <laughs> now you can only get away with saying that in your own magazine yes you probably wouldn't get away with saying it in the doll even despite parliamentary privilege um, th- despite all of this and despite the list of people who weren't um, able to, to feature in it for, for one reason or another um, the bell did still go and launch some careers uh, in one case it had to deal with the Minister for Justice to do it in a Amazing punt that they took uh, on on Brendan Bean. He was locked up in Mountjoy. Ah, so that's how you know about it there all. You okay, go. there's your your, your personal Patronus <laughs> comes into it. Yeah, <laughs> locked up in Mountjoy. Brendan Bean is in Mountjoy when his uncle dies, Pat Carney, who wrote the national anthem. Okay. and he asks, you know, can I get out to go to this funeral? Mm. And the minister for justice says, I wouldn't let Brendan Bean out in a six foot leash. So, I mean, they don't really want to let Brendan out of prison. He's in there for shooting shooting at a guard. And Padre O'Donnell and Sean O'Fuelan lobby the minister for justice and say, look, there's a talent in this young writer. Can we publish him? Can yeah. we engage with him? And they're allowed to meet him. They meet him actually up in, of all places in the governor's office. So there's a sense that these guys are important enough yeah. that only did they let them in to meet a prisoner but yeah. they meet him in, in that setting. And, and they publish this great piece I Become a Borstal Boy. It's the forerunner of what went on to become one of the great prison memoirs of, of literary history. Wow. So that's no small achievement, you know, to 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 take someone behind bars, literally mm. still behind bars, and to propel them into into a, a literary journal. I don't think he would have achieved the success he did without them. Yeah. Um, it's also striking, again, particularly given the era that it was and some of the constraints within which they were operating, how many women were published in The Bell, and not only how many women were featured in it, but also what they were writing about. So there's, a lot of, there's a lot of openness in The Bell. People are writing about, you know, sexual matters, there's, there's allusions to things like same-sex relationships, which is just unheard of in, 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 in mid-20th century Ireland. And women have, I suppose, the same freedom to write about whatever they want as men have. So you have women like Mary Lavin, Kate O'Brien, uh, Elizabeth Bowen. And what's important about that, women more often than men seem to have fallen victim to the, the censorship of publications board. And it seems to have hurt them in a bigger extent than men. So often the men who had books banned in Ireland they were yeah. quite big international writers yeah. and it didn't hurt them Does in the it, same it way. Does it become a badge of honour in a you way? You can kind of trade off. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, Sean O'Fuelo and I have one of his books at home, The Dust Jacket says, 
two of his books are banned in era. <laughs> you know, they won't let the Irish people read them. So they, must be, they must be good. There must be something good in these books. Women often didn't didn't have that that same uh, international standing mm. as, as as writers. So yeah, when you look at the the freedom, the space that women were given in the Bell, that's really really ahead of its time. Yeah, um, let's go back to what we were referring to at the start because in this new publication, we do see another magazine that's really coming to its own, taking centre stage in all of this as well. I just love this idea, like Nicole Flaherty, Martina Devlin, Christine Dwyer Hickey, kind of writers today responding to pieces that were originally in the Bell. It's just mm. really really clever. And what it reveals actually is just how fresh a lot of the writing still is. That you know these writers in 2023 are still saying this is an important piece or this is a good piece yeah. because but The Stinging Fly I mean look founded in 1997 uh, featured in the New York Times there last week and it was kind of inevitable to be honest that yeah. the first line of the piece would say Sally Rooney was involved in this publication but actually more broad look she is a great talent but it's launched and it's championed you know, many, many more people. And when I was reading that piece in the New York Times, there was a line from, from Declan, the editor of The, the, the Stinging Fly, mm. and it reminded me of Sean O'Fallon and Pater O'Donnell. Uh, the, he said that, Declan said, a common reaction that I've got from some people that I'm still doing this would be amazement. You're still doing this. There is a sense of, oh, aren't you great to be doing that? But aren't you mad at the same time? I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever about Niall Stokes sitting in the hot press office since the 1970s, the mm. run of literary journal since 1997 is yeah. still in itself uh, yeah. a very, very impressive achievement. Uh, well, uh, there is a certain truth, and I don't mean this at all disparagingly, but like you, you've written enough books to, to have gone through enough editing processes, and I've dabbled in it once myself as well, that all editors to, to still have that level of focus to like be <laughs> microanalyzing every line and go, is this worthy of going in? Like... Yeah, I feel a little bit mad. Yeah. <laughs> um, speak, speaking of the bell and the stars that it's launched, actually, and let's give you a bit of a plug on this one to finish up. You've got a forthcoming event at the International Literature Festival that's going to touch on some of this. Yeah, the International Literature Festival is coming up next month, Marion Square. Uh, put a nice little line-up together. Rady Pete from Lancome. God, they are flying at the moment. Yes, they really they are. They just missed out in the number one album spot. They were robbed uh, last month. Rady from Lancome. Pat McCabe, who wrote The, the Butcher Boy. Uh, Barry Gleeson and a few other people around the, the centenary of Behan, of course. So the mm. bell will definitely feature in that uh, very prominently. But it is it is amazing, you know, without this little little magazine founded by disgruntled Civil War veterans. We may never have known mm. who that guy was. There may not be an event yeah. next month without them. You wouldn't have had Donald Fallon channeling his Patronus <laughs> of Vended Behan if he didn't have the bell uh, knocking around in the 1940s. Uh, Donald Fallon is the modern day author uh, of Three Castles Burning, A History of Dublin and Twelve Streets, uh, which is the Eason's Book of the Year 2022. So evidently edited by some pretty good people as well as written by a great one. Uh, and he's also the presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast about the history of Dublin, which you'll find anywhere you get your audio online. On the Record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.